Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Praise God. Today's word is releasing the scapegoat, Day of Atonement 2023. Reading to you from Leviticus, Old Testament book. Leviticus chapter 16, verse number 21, verse number 22. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away in the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Praise God. Releasing the scapegoat. Thank you, Jesus. Today is the day of atonement, according to the biblical calendar. Today is not extra special. It's not going to be any more important than tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or anything like that. In the Old Testament time, it was a better day, a more powerful day. But Jesus taught that I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law. He became all of the high holy days. He became all of the sacrifices. He became all of the things that what the law lacked, the Lord fulfilled and is going to fulfill, amen, sometime in the future. All of the gaps of the Old Testament, he fulfilled it. Colossians chapter 2 says, there is no day above any other day. I know this is Sunday. We dress up nice. We come and worship the Lord. But you better believe if we did that on Monday morning at 11 a.m., God would still move in a powerful way. He, he, He would do it on Tuesday, Wednesday. He can do it on your birthday. He can do it on Christmas. He can do it on Easter. He can do it on Halloween. He can do it during Pride Month. It doesn't matter because every day is a good day. And it's the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice. And I will be so glad in it. But today, the Day of Atonement, when the sun goes down, it begins on this day. I just felt because of how powerful it is in the Bible and because of the times and seasons that we are in to focus on this subject and what it means and what it offers to us as a church. The book of Leviticus is one of those books that I think a lot of people, when they get to it, they lose interest pretty quickly in their Bible. Because if you're not careful, all of those sacrifices and all of the rules and all of the regulations can, yes, become long, and if you're not careful, you can kind of get lost in it. But it's important to understand that because it sets the stage for what you're about to read in the New Testament concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. The early New Testament church taught that the Old Testament shouldn't go away. Matter of fact, Jesus said, my word will never pass away, not even the punctuation. It is going to be there for absolutely forever, praise the Lord. But there are parts of it that have been fulfilled through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the New Testament apostles said the Old Testament was our teacher. It was our schoolmaster. It was a shadow of things to come. I can look down and see my shadow and some of the shadow of our front row worshipers right here. This is my shadow. You don't see Justin Gleason here. You see a shadow of him. This is the real me up here. The shadow is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. The Old Testament was the shadow of Messiah. And you can see Jesus all throughout that Old Testament. One of my favorite ones, one morning God woke up Abraham, the friend of God. And he said, Abraham, you see that son that I gave you that you love? I want you to take that son and to go up to the mountain and offer him for me. And Abraham got his son that he loved so much, his promised son. And they carried wood up to the top of that mountain and had an altar up there. And Abraham knew if God wanted him, I got to give him. And he laid his son there on the altar. And just as he was about to offer his son, the voice of the Lord called out and said, stop, you have passed the test. And Abraham turned and looked and there was a ram caught into the thicket. The Lord had provided, supplied the sacrifice. So Abraham took little Isaac, his son he loved, off that altar and put the ram on that altar and offered him and peace was made between he and the Lord. You fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus is God's only begotten son, the son who he loved. And he is walking up a hill. And what is he carrying on his back? Wood, a wooden cross. And they put him on that cross and what is wrapped around his head, thicket or thorns. And he is dying for all of us. He was the ram caught into the thicket. It was you and I that should have been on that cross. But just as God supplied a sacrifice for Abraham, the Lord supplied a sacrifice for you and I so we don't have to suffer and bleed and die for our sins. But the Lord paid the penalty for it all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Joshua in the Old Testament had 12 tribes, 12 armies from 12 tribes. And he went throughout the land, the promised land, the land called Canaan, and conquered city after city, making a name for Almighty God, the name of Israel there throughout that land. Amen. They took down idols. They knocked down pagan walls and pagan booths and rituals and all types of places and made a name for Almighty God there in that land. You fast forward in time. Jesus which is the Greek to the English version of the Hebrew, Yehoshua or Joshua. What does he do throughout all the land of Israel? Marches around with 12 disciples, 12 apostles, raising the dead, amen. Opening blinded eyes, opening deaf ears, amen. Restoring hope and peace throughout the land and ultimately taking down the kingdom of Satan to make a name for almighty God right there in the land. That's Jesus from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You can see Christ through Samson. You can see him through David. You can see him through Isaiah. It is a copy, a shadow from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And yes, on this day, a day that was big, still is big in the Hebrew world, the day of atonement, Christ is our atonement. Praise the Lord. This was a day, I'm not so sure it was all my, it was in the plan of God's mind all along, 
But because Aaron's sons, the priest, Hophni and Phinehas, offered an unusual fire or a strange fire before the Lord in a way that he did not command, the fire from the altar burnt those sons in judgment. And because of that, God instituted the Day of Atonement as a way of cleansing the priests of their sins and wrongdoings and mistakes before they could ever come into the tabernacle. It was a day that was unusual, unlike all the rest of the feasts. You know, there are the feasts of the Lord, but the Day of Atonement was a fast day. It's the only day in Scripture where God commanded, you shall fast this day. Eat nothing in it. Afflict your soul. And it was a reoccurring fast year after year after year. There's a lot in the Bible about this day. There is also a lot of fascinating rabbinical tradition about it. What they would do is they would offer several sacrifices. They would offer a bull unto the Lord for the priest, a lamb for Israel, another ram. And then they would also offer two goats to receive atonement from Almighty God. The first goat was offered. It would bleed. It would die. And they would burn that sacrifice on the altar for the sins of Israel. But then there was one goat that the priest would bring out and he would not slay that goat but instead he would put his hands upon that goat and pronounce all of the sins of Israel upon that goat. You think about that, upon that little, innocent, sweet little goat. By the way, do you know they have therapy goats now out there? Uh, We saw a few in the restaurant at conference. Cute little things. You think about that, that sweet, little, innocent goat. Never murdered anybody, but the priest puts his hand on that goat's head and he said, all of the murder of Israel is now upon you, goat. That goat had never worshipped an idol or a false god, but all of the idolatry of Israel is now upon you, goat. That goat had never committed any immorality, no sexual sin, but all of the fornication and adultery was now upon that goat. All of the sins of Israel are now on that goat and they get a guy who is suitable to take that goat out into the wilderness. Tradition says that the priest would take a piece of scarlet cloth from one of the garments of the tabernacle and tear it in half and tie one of the halves on the goat, the goat's horn, so that they could distinguish, so that in case that goat got lost, they would know that this is the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement, and they would tie that scarlet thread around the horn. And then they took one of the other ones and tied it to the top of the door of the entrance of the tabernacle. And rabbinical tradition says that when they first started doing this, the priest noticed as he looked at one of the scarlet garments, the the, the thread of cloth that had been torn in half, he saw it turn white. And he noticed year after year after year, whenever they would send that goat out into the wilderness, The cloth that was once scarlet would turn white on the horn of the goat and turn white at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And it was a sign from Almighty God that the sins of Israel were no longer in the camp, but they had been banished out into the wilderness. It is no wonder Isaiah said, come unto me. Let us reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet, they are one day going to be white like snow, praise the Lord. And I've come to tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ, they arrayed him in a scarlet robe while he was there upon that cross. But through his innocent shed blood, amen, he one day is going to give us white robes in heaven. All of our sins are going to be banished, gone forever. That's the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Passover was a big celebration. Unleavened bread, big. God brought them as, out of Israel. First fruits, big, celebrating the harvest. Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, big, celebrating harvest. Trumpets was loud. They would blow the trumpets and strike fear into all the enemies. But atonement was to be feared because it was the time when the judgment of God would fall upon Israel to see if they were ready to keep on being Israel, the people of God, for another year. They knew not even God would have mercy upon the priest. You get the fire wrong and boom, you're dead. And because of that fear and because of that, that superstition, as it were, it was godly, keep in mind. Tradition says that they started tying a rope around the priest's waist that after he did the sacrifices and was ready to walk into that tabernacle and go behind that veil into the holy of holies to present the blood before the Lord, that they tied a rope around his waist just in case he got it wrong and died and fell over. They could pull him out without having to go, th go in there and find him. That is how severe and intense it had become. That's what had happened. But the Lord Jesus Christ falsely accused, falsely tried. Pilate ordered his scourging. And according to tradition, they would have wrapped his hands with rope upon that whipping post. And with the ropes in the middle of that whipping post, the Lord, as it were, was tied up for us and took upon our sins so that you and I don't have to worry about being killed in the presence of the Lord because it is no longer about being perfect. It's about having faith in the one who is perfect. And to this day, we've never had anybody die here at the altar. We've never had anybody drown here in the baptism tank, but sins have been forgiven over and over and over again because the Lord gave us atonement. Praise the Lord. And the power of that atonement is here today. Amen. He wants to atone our sins, praise the Lord. That scapegoat, one goat died. The other one was excommunicated, banished into the land. It was God's way of saying to Israel, the one goat that you're going to slay and burn for me, that goat is for me. That goat belongs to me. You don't get to eat it. You don't get to drink its milk. You don't get to have its fur, skin, or horns. It belongs to me and that is how you're going to keep peace with me. But the other goat set free on this day, the day of atonement, off into the wilderness. That goat was for the people. Because all of their sins, even though one was offered, all of that guilt and shame would still be upon them for their sins. The one off into the wilderness was God's way of saying, the one that died for me is peace between me. But the one out into the wilderness, that is peace for you meaning all of your sins that the priest has spoken on the goat, all of the guilt and shame that goes along with it is going out into the wilderness, never to come back, never to haunt you, never to torment you, but you have a new day and a new time and a new year to be thankful and to live in peace in the land that God had promised you. That's atonement. One died for your sins and then one was sent away to be forgotten about in an uninhabited, deserted place for your peace of mind. That's what God has wanted to do all along. From that time until this day, it is to forgive and to forget and walk in victory beyond our past sins. 
God is doing everything that he can to destroy and to wipe away our sins that we originally committed in the Garden of Eden and get back and to be reconciled and to be right with him. And I've got good news for you. The Lord Jesus Christ accomplished all of it. He is our scapegoat. All of the sins of the world were pronounced upon him. And you can walk today in freedom, peace of mind, guilty-free, shame-free, sin-free, and enjoying your life with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's atonement. I like that word atonement. You know what's in there? That word, a ton. And some of us, maybe the greatest sin you ever committed, like Bishop has talked about in some of his messages, God delivered him from chewing gum in church. Well, some of you in here may be chewing tobacco or chewing other things, whether it's gum or It's the power of atonement. A ton of sin can be wiped away with the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Church, we don't know. The day of atonement has been partially fulfilled by the Lord but a lot of it still has yet to be fulfilled during the great tribulation. And then there's the Feast of Tabernacles, which is already, or which is pending, perhaps will be fulfilled in the 100, 000, or the thousand year reign of Almighty God here upon this earth. All have been fulfilled. The ones who are that have been fulfilled, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost, two yet to be remained, but there is one that has been partially fulfilled, and that is the day you and I are celebrating now. It is the day of atonement, the Lord Jesus Christ, our scapegoat. The Lord's first message he preached in the book of Luke, he gets up in his own town in Nazareth and stands there in the synagogue and he opens the Bible and he begins to read from the book of Isaiah chapter number 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty to those who are captives, to recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty to them that are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was the year of Jubilee. And you know what happened every 50 years? It was the year of Jubilee. And you know when it started? The Day of Atonement. His first message he ever preached was on the Day of Atonement in his hometown. You know what Isaiah continued to write there? He continued to write that the day of vengeance of our God is now. But Jesus didn't read that part. He stopped to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the reason why is we are in the stage or the season or the dispensation of grace and mercy. The vengeance of the Lord is future, but the grace and the forgiveness, the atonement, the scapegoat is here and now. And that is what Jesus did throughout his ministry. They brought a woman caught into adultery. The Old Testament, she should have been stoned, but the scapegoat was there in the city to take the adultery upon his head to go out into the wilderness. Tax collectors who had robbed many families, throwing many in prison, like Zacchaeus, the Lord took his sins upon his own head and took them into the wilderness. Even Barabbas, who should have been guilty, he should have been executed, but he was sent away free and the Lord was executed in his place. 
The day of vengeance is not now. God is not angry. God is not wrathful, but the spirit of peace and atonement is upon the world. And the Lord is saving whoever will come and obey his gospel. Rabbinical tradition says that the man who took that goat out into the wilderness, if it had a hard time going, he knew he had to get back and the day of atonement had to be over. He would find a cliff somewhere and start pushing that goat in hopes that it would go over that cliff. You know what they did to Jesus on his first sermon? I have been there. They threw him out of the synagogue, laid their hands on him, drug him out to the edge of the city where there is a cliff. I have been there. And if you were to fall over, you're a goner. They wanted to throw him over the cliff. You know why? They didn't realize what they were doing, but they were acting as if the high priest to fulfill atonement for the sins of the people and throw him over. But the time wasn't yet. He disappeared and walked away through them. But you better believe the Lord, as it were, spiritually did go over a cliff for you and I. This is not the day of vengeance, but he took the vengeance upon himself. So you and I now live forever and our garments have been made white. Praise the Lord. He went into the wilderness for you and I. To be tempted of the devil. The same wilderness where scapegoats would have gone to become the sin penalty for all of Israel. And Jesus is there in the wilderness. He's fasting. He's not enjoying anything. He's suffering. Preparing to take upon himself all of the sins of the world. And who shows up? Satan. And he says, if you are the son of God, you see all these stones here? Turn them into bread. And he quoted a description, said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And can I tell you this? Your greatest weapon against the devil is this book right here. That's why we got to read it. That's why we've got to be in it. Amen. He can't fight the word of God. Praise the Lord. The temptation keeps on coming. He knew that the son of God would one day rule the world. And in a moment of time, he showed him all of the beautiful kingdoms of the world all of the Roman kingdoms, the Greeks, the Persians, the Babylonians, all of them. And he probably could have given them to him. But he said, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give these to you. And he turned and said, you will not tempt the Lord your God. Because he knew, even though it looked beautiful, even though it looked fine, even though it looked spectacular, he wasn't after what Satan could offer him, but what Almighty God would offer him. And it was a greater kingdom than Satan ever had. It was the kingdom of Messiah that one day will come and that you and I are going to be a part of, praise the Lord. And I've come to tell you, never believe that Satan can give you anything better than Almighty God. It may be a pleasure for just a season, but anything the devil gives you, it's going to be eternity in hell. It'll be eternity in torment. But keep your eyes focused on the promise of Almighty God. You'll be blessed better than the devil could ever give you. You'll live longer than the devil could have ever given you. He'll give you greater than the devil could ever give you. Praise the Lord. He then took him up to the temple, the pinnacle, and said, jump off of this. And the angels of God will catch you. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You will not tempt the Lord your God. You know what he was trying to tempt him to do? To be spectacular. 
to put on a big show for all of Israel. My friends, the devil doesn't get no show from Almighty God. The only people that get a show from him are the people that are hungry to believe in him and want to believe in him and will ask him to do something so that they could believe even more. And I feel faith here in the house today. Amen. You're going to walk out of here healed. You're going to walk out of here delivered. You're going to walk out of here atoned for the sins and the darkness upon this world over your life. That priest would take the blood of the bull and the goat and mix it together and walk there in the tabernacle. And according to Hebrews and rabbinical tradition, he never had to pull the curtain back, but he could simply walk right through that veil. Just pass right through it. That's how spiritual that moment was. And he would take the blood of that sacrifice and sprinkle it seven times there upon the mercy seat. And if the sacrifice was pleasing to the Lord and he saw the repentance of Israel, the Holy Ghost would come down and evaporate that blood and it would vanish and be taken up as an offering unto the Lord. Seven times the priest would do that. You know what Jesus, our high priest, did as both priest and the sacrifice? He's got seven sprinklings or seven openings upon his body. The stripes, the whipping, that's one the crown of thorns upon his head, that is number two. The nail in his left hand, that is number three. The nail in his right hand is number four. The nail in his left foot is number five. The nail in his right foot is number six. And the piercing in his side is number seven. You know what's going on there as high priest, he is sprinkling seven times the blood of Messiah to please the Father in heaven, amen, to forgive us of all of our sins. And I've come to tell you, the Spirit is still pleased with that sacrifice, and atonement is still here today for you. Praise God. A lot of us have experienced that first goat. We have received the Lord's sacrifice. We love what he did on the cross. Today, I'm focusing on the goat that was released in the wilderness, the scapegoat. It is the goat that wants to take away your shame and to take away your guilt and to take away the reproach that you bear. And I was praying this morning and I felt the Spirit say to me that there are people that have taken upon themselves to be their own scapegoat here today. They feel like they can't get anywhere near the Lord, so they've been wandering in the wilderness with their own shame and their own guilt and all of the problems that their sins have been causing them. And as it were, they are wandering in the wilderness, a place where they ought not to be, but a place where they need to trust the Lord as their scapegoat to take all of those things in the wilderness. And I feel a witness right now. Some of you are living there right now. And the devil has kept you bound and kept you captive in your mind and your own heart. But on this day, I believe that you can be free from all of the guilt and all of the shame and trust our Lord, the scapegoat. Praise the Lord. My great, great grandfather, his name was Sherman Baker. My father's dad, Wendell Gleason. He married Flora Baker, my great-grandmother, her father, Sherman Baker. You know, Protestantism had been in America for a long time, and he was born uh, before the Civil War. But as Protestantism began to grow throughout America, he would go to those revivals, and 
come forward and accept Christ as his personal savior and fill out a little card and shake the preacher's hand and he was saved. He had a problem. He was a smoker. So much so he carried a pipe and a bag of tobacco in his pocket and smoked all the time. But he knew I can't follow the Lord and be a committed Christian and do that. So after he would accept the Lord in that moment on his way back, he would walk next to the cornfield and he would take that pipe and throw it out into the cornfield and say, I've accepted the Lord. I'm now saved. And he would go back to his house By about four o'clock that Sunday afternoon, he would start to get in the itch for a smoke. And family story is he would go back out on that field and dig around until he found that pipe and put it back in his pocket and go back home for a smoke. The entire family was having a revival, except great-great-grandpa Sherman Baker. But one day, a new group came into town and set up a tent, and they were called the Pentecostals. Come here and receive the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. And he said, I'm going to go and try that out. And the preacher preached and the altar call came and he came down there. And we went from praying in English to praying in tongues. And God baptized my great, great grandfather with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm fifth generation Pentecost. Praise the Lord. And he went home and as he walked, feeling on that pipe and saying, you know, I've had experiences in a lot of other churches But this Pentecostal stuff, that is something that I could feel. That is something that I could even taste and could even speak with. And I, if this thing is real, I'm going to throw this pipe away and never go back to it. He looked at that pipe one last time, threw it out into the cornfield. And to this day, that pipe is still somewhere out in that cornfield. He never went back to it. You want to know why the Lord became his scapegoat that day when he got the Holy Ghost and the addiction and the guilt and the shame left him in that moment, praise the Lord. I'm talking about a man who wanted to quit for decades and decades and decades. He finally said, enough is enough. The Lord took my smoking away from me. He took the penalty of that for me. I can now walk in the newness of life and not have that addiction hold me no more. I've come to tell you somebody today is going to throw their pack out in the field today. We got a lot of property out here. 80 acres, take your spot. Throw your pipes, throw your vapes, throw your needles, get rid of it. Because the Lord took that sin from you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto the Lord. Oh, deliverance is here. Repentance is here. Praise God. Amen. Let's all stand. My great uncle, Carl Ballestero, in his book, he wrote a story that he was driving in his car to a revival meeting he was going to preach. And while he was driving, the Holy Ghost said to him, pull over on the side of the road, get out, get your Bible and notes, and preach. And he thought, that ain't me, or that ain't God, that's me thinking that. I've got my mind on preaching. He kept driving, and he felt the voice come again and say, stop the car, get out, and preach. He thought, I'm daydreaming that, that's not God. Finally, after another mile down the road, he heard the voice of the Lord say, stop, get your Bible and get out and preach. He thought it must be God. He pulled over on the side of the road, not near the city, still out in the country. He got out, his car was on a bridge and he got out his Bible, got out his notes and put it there on the trunk of the car. 
And he started preaching the full gospel message right there. Nothing but fields all around him, nothing but trees. He's on a bridge. But he preached until the burden left. He got back in his car and drove to where he was staying, got ready for the meeting, got his tie on, started praying and seeking the Lord. He finally got to the meeting a few hours later and he stood up and he said, church, I'm glad to be here, but I got to tell you something really strange happened to me today on my way here. He said, I was thinking about the meeting, but the Lord said, I want you to get out and preach. Let's get out of the car and preach. And he said, I did. I don't know why God would have me do that, but I'm here, praise the Lord. A little man stood up in the back with tears in his eyes and he said, preacher, I'm the reason that you stopped and preached. He said, you didn't hear me, you didn't see me, but I was under that bridge in that ditch. I've been on a two-week bender. I'm ready to give it all up. But I heard your voice, and I saw something that day that I hadn't seen in a long time, a Pentecostal preacher preaching hope and preaching deliverance. And you drove off, but I got up and started walking and followed the signs, and I'm here to this revival, and I'm ready to be saved. I'm ready to be delivered. That is the power of atonement. It will find you in a ditch somewhere. You know who needs to be in the ditch? That devil that troubled that man needed to stay in that ditch. That man belonged in the house of God. And some of you have been in a ditch. You have been in a wilderness. And it's time for you to come back and let the Lord Jesus Christ, your scapegoat, go in the wilderness for you. Hear me. When it comes to your sin, you shouldn't feel good about it. Neither should you feel guilty about it. But what you must do is let it go. Don't feel good about it. Don't feel guilty about it, but just simply let it go. Release that burden and give it unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never fight the battle on your own. The only way you're going to do this, if you let it go and give it all to the Lord. That is the power of atonement. And I feel it and see it right now. Amen. As it were, a thread has been tied around the horn of Messiah. And he's ready to go into the wilderness and to take that scarlet thread and change it white today for somebody. Somebody you've been troubled with guilt because of things that happened 20, 30 years ago. Today is your day to lay your burden down. Some of you, it's things you did. Some of you, it's things done unto you. Some of you, it is mental anguish and problems and this and that and the other. On this day, God wants to set his people free and bless us and keep us. I've come to tell you, God is not mad, but he is merciful. He is not angry, but he has sent the atonement here today for you. Hallelujah. Today, everybody's a high priest. You don't have to be perfect to come to the altar today. You just got to start making a move. Today becomes the tabernacle of Almighty God. And if there's anybody here, amen, that wants to see the scapegoat go into the wilderness, I invite you to come to this altar. If you feel it, kneel. If you've got to lay in the floor, lay in the floor. If you've got to raise your hands, raise your hands. But don't walk out of here with something that doesn't belong to you. Hallelujah. Don't leave today with shame and guilt and fear and anxiety and depression and all of those things. 
The Lord has atoned, hallelujah, all of those things. No matter how big or no matter how small it may be, the Lord has taken it upon himself. He went into the wilderness for you. They nearly threw him off a cliff for you. The Lord is your scapegoat today. Hallelujah. And don't say within yourself, you have no sin, for we have all sinned. Don't say within yourself, I have no need of Jesus, so you need him today. Hallelujah. Don't miss the opportunity. It might not come next week or the week after that. But if you've been carrying a burden, if life has been overwhelming today, today is your day of release. Today is your day of relief. Hallelujah. The greatest oasis is right behind me in the baptism tank. Hallelujah. The greatest altar is within reach for you. Hallelujah. The greatest God is here, the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare the day atonement for the people. Hallelujah. The sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ is pleasing in his eyes. He is the scapegoat that went into the wilderness for us. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.